Hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us on a Monday evening just after 8 o'clock, broadcasting live from beautiful Lammasburg, Ontario, from the Little Heart Studios. My name is Arms Boomenlag. This is a monumentous occasion. It is episode 10 of the project. So that means a couple of new things. Uh, we've got some pretty cool guests and one awesome guy to welcome to the show this evening and a brand new intro as you just saw and heard there here on the show. So this is all about some cool people in YQG and around the world. We're happy to have you in our audience today. And there's a number of ways that you can get a hold of us on the show today. You can comment in the feed. We are broadcasting live on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and on Twitter. And you can like, comment, and share away. And before we bring my guest on the show, some housekeeping items to get to, as we usually do each and every week here on the program. Uh, we had an extra large edition of the project on Friday. We welcomed a great guy, but we're still selling those mugs to benefit the Windsor-Essex County Humane Society and Ronald McDonald House. Those are $20 a pop, and you can hook up with those on our page. You can also find that extra large edition of Adriano Chodley. Episode 9, it's up on YouTube and Spotify. Check it out. We had an awesome time, and it is explicit. Find out for yourself. Don't forget this Friday, Chris Tolmy, the man, the myth, the legend from 89X Radio, is going to be my guest on the show. I'm going to catch up with Chris and find out what he's been up to over the last couple of weeks. But my guest tonight on this special Monday edition is a broadcasting legend. He's got a smooth voice that has permeated the airwaves of Windsor, Detroit for over 15 years. Somebody that's worked right across North America, stints in Florida, Detroit, and right here in the Rose City. His passion for broadcast radio, honest to God, second to none, interviewed hundreds of bands and musicians over the years. He's got some awesome stories to share with us tonight. I'm really pumped up to ask him about uh, Johnny Cash, Fits in the Tantrums, the Romantics, and more. Somebody that I honestly looked up to in the world of broadcasting and still do, always available to chat and lend a helping hand, former morning show host and all-around awesome dude, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Mark Lander is joining us on the project. Mark, what's going on, brother? <laughs> I really like your intro. It's pretty slick. Oh, I try, man. I try. This is a, a passion project for me as we started the show. But first of all, I wanted to say how wonderful it is to see and hear your voice. Uh, how the hell are you, brother? Doing okay. Really, I am. It's been uh, it's been a long stretch, that's for sure. And uh, I want to get to a little bit of you know what you've been up to, what you've got going on. You got some really cool stuff that you're doing here locally. Uh, first of all, you got to tell us. And I know you and I have talked about this during our days at Bell Media. But how did you get started in the wild world of broadcast radio? Um, really wanted to do it my whole life. Can't remember when I didn't want to do radio. Always um, had a skill for reading. Always uh, was able to read well. I remember in grade school, the teacher would always say, uh, you know, would read a paragraph and then say, I'm tired of reading. Mark, you read now. Um, just always had a knack for reading out loud. Um, so and I enjoyed storytelling. I enjoyed reading. Uh, but I really had a knack for just reading out loud, um, putting emphasis where it should be, you know, putting the correct emphasis on the correct syllable. <laughs> and you know, just always enjoyed reading, always enjoyed telling stories. It was just um, something I really enjoyed doing. Um, started in 1979. I was 17 years old in Sarnia, Ontario, at my hometown. I grew up in Sarnia and uh, worked at CHOK as a summer, driving around the summer vehicle. Awesome. And, and then found out that I could go to college and take radio. So I went to Fanshawe College. It was a two-year course. Took the first year and got out because while I was in college doing radio, they were like, you know, you just left the job that 
we would like to go mm -hmm. to when we're done this. And I thought, and I did a little on-air work, did overnights at the station nice. and realized that when I was in college, they said, you left the job that we would like to have when we're done here. It, it was a job. It was a real bona fide radio job. So I talked to my parents and I said, the radio station wants me to come back. They don't want me to go to college and going to college is only going to get me the job I've got already anyway. And they're going to pay me enough where I can move out. So my dad's eyes lit up and, <laughs> you know, he really wanted me to finish and graduate and do, do the college thing. And, and I never did. I just got the one year and got the job and got out. So then I started working at CKJD across the street. They hired me. I did overnights there. Um, in about 1980, after the year of school, I went to school, college at Fanshawe, took radio broadcasting. 19, I graduated high school in 1980, so 1981, I went to Fanshawe, and by the summer of 81, started working at CKJD in Sarnia. Uh, worked there, got married in 1985. My wife is from Michigan. Uh, by Christmas of 1985, I was working in Cocoa Beach, Florida, WCKS. Oh, nice. Working on the beach. Um, so that that's like was a dream nice. gig, right? Oh, it was a good gig. Uh, it was, was a there. Good I gig. Saw, the, saw the shuttle, saw the Challenger explode with my oh, eyes. Gosh. Wow. Um, I was there for that. That was amazing. Lots of cool things happened. There wasn't anything in Florida that happened that we didn't do. Went to Daytona every year that I was there. We're there for about 15 years. Um, and did absolutely everything. Uh, went to Daytona every year, like the Daytona 500. Went to the what they called at the time the Firecracker 400, then it became the Pepsi 400 or the 500. And uh, so there was two races at Daytona. Would do that every year, and that was a lot of fun. Worked a lot of country radio in Florida, hmm. which was really cool. Um, the, the country fans are like no other radio fans, extremely loyal. Um, country radio is an anomaly. It's there's nothing else like country radio. Absolutely nothing else like it. You would go to car remotes and people would come and say, we heard you on the radio. We came here and bought our car because of you. And awesome. it worked that way. It really worked that way. And uh, then I started working for Clear Channel in Florida. I was a program director, music director, promotions director. We cut our own commercials. I had an on-air shift and uh, would get to work at about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning and would go home at about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Oh, um, in between. In between stints in Melbourne, went and worked in the Panhandle in the Destin Fort Walton Beach market. That was really cool too. That was they call that um, they call the Panhandle L.A. Lower L.A. It's a uh, Lower <laughs> Alabama, so um, it's L.A. but Lower Alabama. And people that live north of the Panhandle, as far north as like Nashville, that's their getaway. They would go directly south to the beach and beyond the Gulf. And that was, so I was in Destin, Fort Walton Beach for about a year and then went back to Melbourne where my wife and son, my newborn son were living. So we went back there to live. And then while I was there, that was when I started doing everything. It kind of, Clear Channel had a hiring freeze on where they wouldn't hire anybody and you couldn't hire anybody, but you wouldn't want to get rid of anybody because if you got rid of somebody, you couldn't hire somebody. So even though people were ah. screwing up, you had to keep them. And oh, I was there as the program director, the music director. We reported to the trades. It's something you did back then when there was no computer. So you had to talk to the label guys and they would sell you on the new songs. Um, I was just doing too much, getting there all day. And I said to my wife, it's time to move on. We need to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. 
So we started looking around and one of the things that came up was, do we go home back to, you know, the Detroit area, back to, uh, you know, I'm from Sarnia. Do we go back to that area, back to Ontario? And the station, the river changed over to Light Rock. And I was in Florida working at Light Rock 99.3. And I went to here and became Light Rock 99.3 and to Light Rock 93.9. So I had to write it down and I had to read it. And every time I said it, I had to actually read it so that I wouldn't get it wrong. And um, we were Light Rock for approximately two or three years. That's when it was like uh, the logo at CIDR, right? That was like the, the logo was very, you were aiming for like the women demographic, right? 25 to 54, it was very, like it was like the teal logo, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Pink and purple is the color. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah. And it, and what had happened was, um, Matt, um, in Orlando, WNIC with Jim Harper in the morning, they were like killing in Detroit, number one and huge numbers, and with nobody competing against them. So I guess the plan the plan was laid out before I got there, but the plan was to take them on, hmm. to go after WNIC in Detroit. Wow, which we did to start. And then um, Magic came on the air at 105.1, mm -hmm. and they became an AC station. So there were three AC stations playing the same music, essentially, in the market. So it was time for us to get out. There was two Detroit stations doing it and doing it very well, um, a lot better than we were at the time. So um, then we, came kind of a, we became kind of a hybrid. We were just 93.9 FM. We didn't have a name and everything. And I... I didn't like that. And the programmer in me said, oh, can we be B-93-9? Can we be something? We need a, we need a name. We need something an identity. To go with it. Yeah. Exactly. We had, we had nothing. Uh, so we were that for maybe a year. And mm -hmm. then we became, we switched back and became Light Rock. I mean, we became the river. So it was Light Rock and then it was kind of a no nothing. And then we became the river again. And that was a, a, a you know, a long time. So I started in Windsor um, November 20th, 2000. And it all came to an end this past November 18th, uh, 2020. So I was two days short of 20 years yeah. working at, at the same station at 93.9. And it was all over. You miss it? More than anything. Um, there, it feels like there's a part of me missing. There's a part of me gone. I just, it's not there. It's, it's gone. Uh, very hard to take, you know, um, talk to Steve Bell and he said he almost fell down when he heard the news and it, it was, yeah, kind of like that. It was just, you know, like, like, um, when your girlfriend breaks up with you or, uh, you know, when a, when a pet dies, um, that kind of feeling that gut wrenching, wow it's it's over it's it's ended um miss it like crazy and i would have ran through a wall for the company for bell i would have whatever they asked me to do i did uh and would do um and, and was extremely loyal to them would do anything you know mark we need you to rappel down caesar's windsor okay you know um whatever they wanted me to do i would do um go help out with the easter seals um the telethon okay Whatever they asked me to do, I would do. Those telethons, we had fun. 
I remember the the times that you know we would have volunteered from the team, and uh, I mean we had fun at those. I mean those were those were a little different, right? Because a lot of us were you know in front of the camera as opposed to behind the mic. But you know, uh, I think especially you working in the city, you know how crucially important it is to get behind causes that you know you believe in and you support. It's important. This city is unbelievable. The balls that I, when they hold a, a ball, you know, a dinner, a function for an event they always sell out the tickets are always gone people show up and just uh they just go all out for this town this city and it's amazing and everybody gets behind windsor essex no matter what the cause is you know uh, they have tables for how many uh, 12 at a table you know 50 tables 60 tables at the casino wherever it is and they sell out all the time and people show up and spend their money at the, the you know they have the silent auctions and everybody buys the items on the tables for the silent auction and the bidding goes up it's it's a community like no other i don't think i can't imagine that other communities are nearly like this and I think over the years too mark i know that you were so heavily involved in so many different charities right and and Correct me if I'm wrong on this. And I know you talked to Beller and I, I, I've been going back and forth with Beller over the last little bit too and uh, talking to Steve and the family there. But when when you've got so many charities and you've got so many worthwhile functions and different things that you can do, uh, I go back to some advice I got from Cam Gardner. Uh, you know, when Cam was doing uh, all sorts of things, uh, pretty much Mr. Windsor doing all sorts of things. It's like Cam said, to me one time, you know, arms, pick a few things that you truly believe in and, and you're passionate about, and you have some sort of personal connection to and, and run with the ball with those. And then, then you can back on those too. Did, did you find that sometimes, I you know, when things were coming at you so hard, Hey, Mark, we need you to do this. Mark, we need you to MC this. You're like, I got to pick a couple here that I can really throw my weight behind because I, I don't want to say you believe in them, but you might have a connection to them in one way or another. There were some that were near and dear to my heart, but I never said no to anybody. I really didn't. If they needed me, I was there. If there was, I remember going to two events in one night, you'd leave one early and go to the other one. You know, you were just there at both of them. I never said no. I ne and maybe I should have maybe, but I never felt wore out. I never felt like I was doing too much. I was always there, whatever they needed, I would go and do. Um, I just enjoyed it. I, it was almost a higher calling. It was almost something that went with the job that we had to do. And we did, and I didn't mind it. Um, and I didn't do it for self-preservation. I didn't do it to better myself, not in one iota. It was because they asked me to be there. And I said, yes. And whatever reason they wanted me to be there for, I was there. Um, one of the, one of my favorite was dancing with the stars, which was for bone marrow. And it was with the Giles family and the Giles family, I just love those people. And those people are so community minded. Mm -hmm. Their father mm -hmm. raised such great kids. Those boys are, are unbelievable. Um, now working for Frank, I actually am working for Frank Giles now and um, from a relationship built on, on the, the past. So what goes around comes around. You never know what's going to happen in your life uh, as a result too. So, you know, if, don't, you know, don't turn your back on anything because you never know it might, you know, help you in the future. 
I just wanted to give a quick plug and we'll talk a little bit more about that with your current gig and uh, the Giles family too. If you want to find out more of what Mark's doing, he's doing an incredible job with some of the media work that they're doing at RFG Plumbing. Check it out on their website. They've got uh, a hell of a podcast. I got to be honest with you. It's fantastic. Uh, RFGplumbing.com and Mark is helping to produce and essentially uh, run the podcast and a video podcast coming down the pipe too. I uh, was happy to be a part of uh, Mark's podcast a few weeks back. And I know speaking of our good friend, Steve Bell, he was on most recently too, but we'll get to a little bit more than that. Uh, you know, Mark, I can tell the passion in your voice. I know it. I think our viewers and our listeners who are listening to this, maybe after the fact, know you, they know the voice, they know, man, there was not, I think a time in the late 2000s, early 2010s, I wouldn't be able to walk into a shop here on a Saturday afternoon that wasn't playing the river. And I heard your voice on it. Uh, I'd be sitting there like at Subway getting a sub and then it'd be like, it's Mark Lander from 93.9 The River. And I'd, I'd turn to Carrie, my wife now, and I'd say, that's the man. That, he's, he's, he's on the air, right? But well, that, the station, that was we, we voice tracking, really right? hard. Well, some of it was voice tracking. I did mornings and I did evenings for the past three or four years before it all came to an end. I was the evening person and the morning person. And the evening I was, a, let's be honest, I wasn't there. I recorded it earlier in the day and made it as sure. current as possible. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I would love to do it again. I you know, I missed it so much. It's just, but that was the thing. We worked so hard to make that radio station number one. And we did. It was the number one commercial FM in Windsor. And uh, I won't tell you where the ratings are now with the new regime, but it's not number one anymore. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, you, you know, going back to our time at Bell, you know, how many times did I used to wander into your studio when I wasn't running around like a chicken with my head cut off? Uh, and I, I would just come shoot the shit with you. Right. And I would just come see how, how you, how are you doing? What's going on? And I would see you in the studio. We'd walk by 93.9 was right across from um, uh, the AM 800 newsroom. And I'd see you and I'd see what's going on. But then, you know, we would do the occasional when I was doing promotions uh, before I got on the air, you and I would go to Mezzo. Uh, I know we've done a few of those uh, patio parties. It was like probably 2007, 2008 ish for not, I think it was light rock at that point. But I just remember just picking your brain and just trying to get like a feel of like, you know, your experience and and where you've been. And I mean, now me hitting 40 this year, I'm like I said to carry my wife, Mark, I'm like, Florida is the goal. Like, like I want to be, I want to do something in Florida down the road because we've, I, I mean, I've never been to Florida up until three or four years ago and I like love the place, but you know, you've had this well traveled career, but it amazes me when you have that experience from a, from a program director lens that you weren't able to, um, I guess, do more of that from, from our, cause I used to bug you too. I'd be like, dude, like, let me come on the show and let me do your weather. Let me do your, let me do your news. We could do some, we could have some fun with that, you know? Well, I always felt that there was a, there should have been, and maybe still should be, more of a, um, a cohesiveness between the TV and the radio stations. And, you know, you did so much. You, you know, you transcended both of the stations. You were on AM 800 and you were on CTV with Jim Crichton. So you were able to do both. But that's as far as it went. I don't think, I think we could have had more of the, TV people on the radio and had more of the radio people on the TV, but obviously that wasn't my call. And, um, you know, but I think they could have used each other a whole lot better to a promote, you know, putting my program director's hat on and saying, or my promotions director hat on and saying could have used each other to promote 
each other very well, but it never happened. And it's not, still not happening now. Like I think it should be, but unfortunately. I, I used to, okay, here's the thing. Like I would, I remember there was one time on my noon show on AM 800 where, uh, I, you and I were talking about, it was a concert that we went to. I think it was David Gray at Caesars Windsor. Uh, you were there with your lovely and I was there and uh, we got to meet David Gray backstage and we did, everybody did the photo ops. And I remember talking about how excited you were to meet David Gray. And, and, and I remember name dropping Mark from nine, this was 2010 ish, uh, Mark from 93, nine, the river. And I remember getting hauled into the principal's office afterwards because there was this mantra at that point, you don't mention the other FM stations. Right. And, and I, and I kind of blew my mind. Yeah. It was and like, th that's well, not right either. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, but it's Mark. Like, and, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of like that horse blinder mentality where it's like, you have to understand that this isn't like it's 2020. Well, back then it was, you know, 2010s, but people, you know, they may listen. I mean, they, they were listening to you in the morning. Right. But then they maybe come over us for a little bit of news and then maybe they go over for a little bit of hard rock or maybe they go to, you know, like, like they jump around as long as it's in the family, you know? It was kind of the opposite. I had friends, very close friends, that said, I don't listen to you on the radio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and they'd say, uh, well, I listen to AM 800 in the morning, and then I switch over to your station, you know, about 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock when I get to work. Sure. And it, to me, I was like, okay. It was still in the family. It didn't matter. Who cares, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So... It's a, it, this really is a tough market for any morning show. It's just, you've got, you know, Detroit spending tons of money, each of those radio stations over there spending lots of money on their morning shows. Um, you know, you're going up against teams and I was uh, doing it by myself and I held my own. At least I think I did, <laughs> but it was, yeah. And I was doing it by myself and there was a time when I was the only one in the winds. Detroit market doing it by myself um, and and that was you know it was tough because there were times when I said hey can you get me somebody I wouldn't mind having a partner you know in the morning with me somebody to call me if I'm running late um, <laughs> I had I had nobody I had to be there on time every day and it's it's hard and very rarely morning time. runs too yeah, well, I mean, you never did, right? I, I would always see you in crossing, especially when my, my my start shift when I was doing the reports on the morning show was sometimes if Rob Scherfel called me in, I would be in there at like 4.30 in the morning and I know Rob would be getting there at like 2.33 in the morning. So, and then they bumped it up my start time when I started doing the TV stuff because I wasn't getting off the air on TV with Jimmy until about 7, 7.30, right? So it wasn't a lot of turnaround time for me to get, you know, some meal in me and, uh, uh you know, a good night's sleep. But I remember seeing you coming in, but I, it's just kind of like the duty call the, the tour of duty, right? You're doing the, uh, the morning run and you got to kind of just go through it and get through it done. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. You can't keep a good guy down and I can't keep somebody of your talent down as well. And I, and I wanted to go back a little bit, rewind the clock here for some of our viewers. And I wanted to kind of reminisce here because you've had quite the career, Mark. And I wanted to show uh, our folks a little bit about, you know, who you've met and talk about some of those insane stories, including, you know, this guy here, because I know it's a little pixelated, but it's an older, it's an older uh, picture here of, I think this is uh, who, this is Johnny Cash, right? Yes. 
That is that cash. is cash. Man, so where when did you meet this guy? Met him at the King Center in Melbourne, Florida. He was doing a show with his wife and a fantastic show. He was a little under the weather at the time. He had a cold. And we were taking listeners backstage to, to meet him who had won tickets and backstage passes. So we took listeners backstage to meet Johnny Cash. And he was back there going down the line. And he came to me and I said, uh, sir, can I meet Miss June? And he said, what? And I said, I would really like to meet Miss June. And he said, um, no one wants to ever meet Miss June. Can you <laughs> wait here? So he continued to go down the line and greeting the people. And then he came back and got me and he said, young man, come with me. So we went down and he knocked a couple of times on the door, went into the dressing room and she was sitting. It's, it was almost like a movie with the mirror, with the lights, the light bulbs all the way around the mirror with sure. her legs crossed and a knee length skirt on a dress. And uh, she had her legs crossed and she was sitting in this chair and he said, Miss June, this young man would like to meet you. And she said, no one ever wants to meet me. And he said, that's what I told him. <laughs> so we talked for a while. And to me, she is like royalty, country music royalty, the Carter family. And uh, June Carter Cash is just like, and I think Johnny Cash felt the same way about her um, when he met her. You know, he was meeting country royalty. Um, and so uh, she was one of those people that when he married her or got with her, bettered his career. His career got a lot better. People think of him as a solo career artist, but he was. And much like when, you know, Brad Pitt marries Angelina Jolie, both of their careers kind of take off from it. I think Johnny Cash's career actually took off when he um, married June Carter Cash, or at least it took him a long time to get together. And one thing, this is, it was said, it was in the movie, Walk the Line. They got engaged in London, Ontario. Oh, really? Um, on stage. It was an ongoing joke where Johnny would ask June night after night after night to marry him. So they'd do a song together and he'd say, Miss June. And she'd say, yes, Johnny. And he'd say, will you marry me? And she'd always make a joke and get out of the way of the line and, and move on. And he's like, maybe next time. And every night at concerts, he would say, Miss June, will you marry me? And she'd say, Oh, Johnny and move on. And then one night in London, Ontario on stage, he said, Miss June, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And it floored him. He was totally, it was totally unexpected. He thought it was going to be one of those, oh yeah, sure things. And uh, so it happened in London, Ontario. They got engaged on stage. What a thrill to meet somebody like that though, right? I mean, I, I, I my first go about, and I'm not a country music fan. I appreciate the music, but I'm, I'm not somebody to listen to it, but was uh, uh, ex being exposed to Johnny Cash uh, when he did Hurt after uh, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, right? And then falling yeah. in love with that music video, which to me is still one of the most haunting music videos I've ever seen. Uh, and from what I understand, he just recorded that uh, just before he died. Uh, yes. But still, uh, still just an amazing, it's so cool that you had a chance to meet him. Uh, Mark Lander, 93.9 The River. 
uh, morning show host, broadcasting legend, in my opinion, is my guest for episode 10 of the Arms Boom and Like Project. We are broadcasting live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, Twitter. I said Instagram. We're working on that. There's a couple of comments in the feed saying, hey, are you on Instagram? We're working on that live feed, too. Don't forget, you can find the rebroadcast of this, or if you're listening to this after the fact, it's up on Anchor FM wherever you get your podcasts after the fact and also on YouTube. Shout out to uh, a former broadcaster as well, uh, Mr. Peter Langell, who is watching the show uh, via LinkedIn. Peter, always good to see you as well. Uh, Steve Belanger says, hey, Mark, glad to hear your voice again. And uh, he has another great one for you here. I got to ask, says Steve, did you like the light rock days on 93.9? I did. I really enjoy that music. I'm a yacht rock fan, so... um big fan of yacht rock um so yeah that's kind of what we were playing then a lot of pablo cruz <laughs> <laughs> yacht rock's not bad you know sirius xm has a yacht rock channel during the summertime it's like in the 70s i think and every every once in a while when we're going for a cruise i'll listen to it they got the michael mcdonald on there and uh yeah you know a little bit of the smooth fleetwood whack uh fleetwood mac chuck kelly somebody who we had on the show good friend of mine uh ceo and president of movati athletics says hey mark Thanks for all your service to our community. So, Thanks, so it's Chuck. It, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It, it's known, right? I mean, people know, like I said, you can't keep a good guy down. And when you have that kind of experience too, and you get to meet some amazing people, like I got to show you this picture I thought was pretty badass when I was doing some research on Mark before the show. Um, this kind of blew me away. Take a look. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about this. Who, who, who is this? This is what Romantics? That's that the romantics. The, that's the romantics. Yeah. So you got to tell, this is a young Mark Lander here. Good. <laughs> it is. He's got the Detroit hat on and everything. So when did you meet these guys? I want to say maybe 85. The Tigers had probably just won the World Series in 84. So that was 85. And they were still very much in it in 85 with the same good team. Um, the romantics, I believe also on the bill that night was Kim Mitchell as an opener. So that was a good night. Um, a really good night. The band, uh, they had these black leather suits that they wore with this that were like skin tight. Um, lots of hair. I had kind of the same hair as the guy beside me, except you can't tell cause I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> I was going to say, well, like, uh, you're rocking the, the look here and the guy's got like the big permed hair and the big, uh, I guess the poof at the back there. So it was the like, glory days of rock, right? That was um, also, well, of course, the Romantics are from Detroit. So that was a kind of a bounce. Um, that was uh, at the Sarnia Arena. Um, another show that I introduced in probably 84 was um, when Kiss is on my list. Your Kiss is on my list by Hall & Oates. When it was number one on the charts, Hall & Oates did a bounce and actually played the Sarnia Arena. And I got to introduce them on stage, which, and then I met them later, introduced them later in Florida on stage and told them that, you know, I was just this young punk kid and I was so nervous to introduce them on stage. I was afraid I was going to call them Oats and Hall. And um, <laughs> <laughs> those are fun times. I um, I've, I've met a lot of people. I met Waylon Jennings, uh, Dolly Parton. When I met Dolly Parton, she said something that I'll never forget. And it's uh, a line that I wish I could call my own. And she said, um, uh, you look like someone I should know. 
And so that was fantastic. Um, we did some good shows. Um, I met Conway Twitty, um, George Jones. Uh, a lot of these people that I would meet, we wouldn't get our pictures together because it was pre-Facebook and pre-social media. And a picture wasn't such a big deal. And an autograph at that time might have been more important than a picture. Um, but so to get a picture of me with a with the band is kind of rare, too. Well, we've got a few of them, too. I mean, through the years, I mean, we I found the one with Johnny Cash and then the Romantics. Here's another one here. C- Cindy saying, oh, my, I've actually got pictures of you with Platinum Blonde, too. So she's got uh, she's got a few different photos of you over the years as well. I wanted to show this picture uh, while we continue on here uh, for Mark. This one here is uh, Mark from, uh, let's just say, 93.9, The River Days. And he is also uh, somebody who we had with tits and uh, uh, fits in the tantrums here, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, this is when 93.9 The River was doing a couple of different shows here, which is always cool to see. And uh, I think we actually lost Mark here. So we're going to try to get him back on the program here in just a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, as you can say, th- I mean, they did a number of different types of um, shows over the years, including these guys here. I mean, I remember when these guys uh, had a number of different shows. I know Sam Roberts used to be with 93.9 The River as well. And they had a number of different shows that people could uh, be a part of and get into uh, through the years in the Windsor-Essex area. And Fits in the Tantrums was always just a fantastic band to be a part of when you talk about how they get into different things and how they can actually uh, entertain. And I know The River had uh, a number of different events like the Bare Naked Ladies, Stephen Page through the years. You could find uh, them through the different avenues and the different types of uh, events that they used to go through. But uh, Mark Lander, 93.9 The River, my guest on today's show, uh, we will reconnect with him in the next couple of minutes here, the joys of the internet, as they say. So you can uh, comment in the feed. Uh, obviously, he's had a number of different positions and things over the years. Uh, you can give us uh, a shout on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter as well. Uh, Mark Lander, 93.9 The River, morning show host who is back with us. Hey, Mark. My phone died. I time to get a new phone. I, <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm, I'm like, okay, I think he's still going to be with us. But I was just saying to the folks here on the feed, uh, the fits and the tantrums with 93.9 The River, this must have been pretty huge for you too, right? That was a fun day. That was at uh, Motor City Casino. And uh, the band would play. What we would do with the rivers, have river sessions. And uh, what started out would be the band would come into the studio at the radio station and play one or two songs. And it kind of became a hassle. They had to cross the border and it was just kind of nuts for them to bring their instruments. And so what we did was we uh, started these things called river sessions and they were very sellable. We could sell them to clients and uh, it was really cool because, (laughs) you know, we would put them in a a small venue, a small bar and the bar would buy the opportunity to have the band and they would play two or three songs. We'd give out a pair of tickets for that night. We do it at the Hard Rock Cafe, which I just loved. It was a great venue for this very thing. Um, they would play two or three songs, and uh, that night would do a concert at, at a venue. And so they would do us, you know, a nice favor and come and play a couple of songs for us. And those river sessions were fantastic. 
from G Love, um, Fits in the Tantrums. Um, so just the bands that we had were unbelievable. Um, you know, when they were starting out their careers, we had them. Halsey, um, um, just, I can't even just, the bands were crazy that would just come in and do this for us when they were first starting out. Uh, we had Mumford and Sons. Did you guys have Feist too at one point? I think there was Feist yeah. when she was just getting big. She did a couple of them for us. She did the yeah, River yeah. Session. Um, uh, geez, I'm trying to think of some of the big bands that we had, but just they would come and play their song, usually their hits, and take a couple of requests sometimes. Uh, and that was it, you know, two or three songs and say, come out and see me tonight on our show. It was just uh, Imagine Dragons. That was a, a really, really special one. They were just starting out. Um, uh, uh, who's the ginger from England? All of a sudden, I can't come up with his name. Um, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. We had Ed Sheeran as Ed a River Sheeran. Session. Yeah. There was... Uh, the people that come and do river sessions for us as a favor because we were a radio station and they wanted us to play their music. Um, it was just fantastic. And we do these river sessions with them. Uh, and then go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, the river is so unique, right? It was sort of that, that triple a station that had the deep cut, right? I mean, that was sort of the, the, the monkey when the river launched, right? Was, you know, you're going to hear deeper cuts. You're going to hear, you know, we're going to go deeper to find those, those tunes. Uh, it was fairly unique. And I think it, it filled a niche in the area. Uh, so my question to you with your, with your experience, Mark, what makes a good radio station in your opinion? You got to be local. You got to um, love music. First of all, our love for music between Gnip uh, Dan McDonald, and then uh, Dan McDonald moved over to AM800, and uh, a very special person took over, um, M. And M, Emily was uh, a young talent who you were like, this girl's going places. She's very talented. Uh, we got her out of the Hamilton market, and uh, unfortunately, she came in February, the February, uh, and then November, it all came to an end, so that same year. She came, but she has um, a very bright future in this business. She's very good. And, you know, it's funny because you start to get to know talented people. You start to understand who they are after you do this for a while. And she was very, she was something special. And, and unfortunately, you know, this would have been a nice launching pad for her to move on to a bigger market. And, uh, you know, she's in her 20s and it just didn't happen. And it's... um. And Jim McCordy, one of the best program directors I've ever worked for, and I've worked for many program directors in my life. Um, uh, you know, he was there at the end. Unfortunately, we all lost our jobs. Um, you know, we worked really hard to make the river number one, and uh, it all came crumbling down. And I understand why it happened. And like Steve Bell said, I don't own the radio stations. They can do what they want with them. And I don't own them either. And, you know, they can do whatever they want with them, and they did. Here's my thing, Mark. Do you you said a good radio station? What makes a great radio station should be local, right? They got to be local. First, first and foremost, you got to be first plugged into the community. Okay. I think, in my opinion, and call me what you will, but I think if the pandemic has highlighted anything 
in the in broadcast media, it has underscored that the need for a local content. Um, I mean, I think I think you may have seen it. I know you were still working at the station when the pandemic first hit in March 2020. Uh, I, I I think people, and and I've said this many times on the show. I mean, we were only ten episodes in, and we've got. I mean, I've got you know, I got Beller coming up on an episode pretty soon. I got Ganip. After uh, Ginnett found out that you were going to be on the show, I got him on. I got some really crazy guests that uh, I think a lot of our folks are going to be really excited about. And it's just people I've worked with, people I know. My buddy, Chris. Yo, Tony. Oh, I love, let me tell you, Chris is a good guy. Um, I'm just excited about Chris uh, being on the show. I mean, that guy's just a solid individual like yourself. But I I just look at it and I think from a business lens, right? Never mind a broadcasting lens, but from a business lens. Like, what is the strategy going forward in a world where, you know, we're on these all the time? Okay. Like, what is the strategy? How do we compete against that? How do we make it relevant so we're not just necessarily regurgitating the news, right? Or regurgitating whatever it is. How do we, well, we make the local content? We, we, there's a, there's a gentleman I follow and I, and I'm, I'm trying to get on the show and I think he's brilliant. He's from Detroit. His name is Fred Jacobs and he's a, he's a former program director of the Riff many years ago. And he runs the consulting company. And he says, uh, and his articles are just bang on. I'll send you some of the stuff after the show. Um, I, but I'm he on says, his email list. I get them oh, all. Oh, you know, you, you know, exactly. Oh, there you go, right? But I think his, his insight is just so crucially brilliant that, you know, radio and, and to an extent, mm-hmm. I think television too, has a unique opportunity from a business lens to really provide that local content so folks can uh, consume it. And, and and offer them something to say, hey, wait a second, If even if from, from a news standpoint, there's a national news story coming down the pipe. I already know that the bigwigs in Toronto are going to cover it. So how can I take that national story and kind of carve out a local angle for folks here to kind of assimilate? And then and then if you can feed that up the pipe, then fine. But I, I, I don't know. I just I, I feel like there's there's opportunity here in the market and, and, and from a local lens too. I mean, I'm going to throw these guys out. I know Daniel and the team over at windsorite.ca, they're hyper local news, but there's a reason why they're getting all the clicks, I think. And, and they're getting folks on their site because they're really talking about what people are talking about in, in their neighborhoods. But I mean, that's just my, my two cents. It's just, I, I firmly believe that, you know, and there's an appetite for good news too. Uh, well, I, I have an somebody- idea about how they do that. They'll take a national story and they'll have their jocks, have the jocks talk about it and give their opinion on it. And to them, that's their way of localizing it. And it, I think they're missing the mark just a little bit. It's coming close, but to hear you and I talk about, have an opinion on a national event, doesn't necessarily localize the story. And, you know, to talk about Feather Hat Guy and pretend like you're from here, you're really missing the mark, uh, you know, and that's oh, what's happening. People from out of the market are coming in and uh, it worked in our market when we were in Ottawa. It worked in our market when we were in Toronto or wherever you happen to be from. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're at the top making management decisions and it works over here. So for sure it'll work in Windsor, Essex, and it doesn't work that way. Um, I remember when Howard Stern was on the air in Detroit doing his morning show live from Detroit. I listened to it. Um, he left and became syndicated, and a station picked him up in syndication. And it didn't work. He died. Uh, it doesn't work. You have to be local in this market, and they smell it. 
Oh, people sure. in this market know whether you're from this area or not. And when you're not from this area, I mean, I grew up listening to the Big Eight and watching Channel Nine, and you know that was watching Bozo and um, you know Bill Kennedy, and that was my grow up. And uh, it shows my age a little bit, I'm sure. But um, no, are you kidding, I, Mark? I got to tell you, when I went to CBC and I did the CBC thing. Do you know how excited I was to actually go through the archives in that building at CKLW? CBC is at, it's housed in the CKLW TV building on uh, Olette and Craw or sorry Riverside Drive in Crawford. And I think if you're from the area or from the region, you have to have that kind of pulse. I mean, you don't have to be in love with it. Like my my wife Carrie will make fun of me because you know I'll talk about you know uh, dance you know the dancing shows they used to do. They used to have like Diane Ross and the Supremes come over at the CKLW TV building, right? And they would come in and they would do the live concert. Like being in those to me, that's like that's that's broadcast history. So I don't I don't think that shows your age at all. I just think it's passion for the craft because you get to see the, I mean the rich history that Windsor has sort of laid out for the rest of North America through the last you know. 40 to 50 years through broadcast. It's incredible. It was a huge thrill for me to even be friends and, and get to know Charlie O'Brien. I mean, Beautiful. Charlie is a fantastic guy. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say this, but I grew up listening to Charlie and, you know, and brother Bill Gable and, uh, Teddy bear, Ted, the bear Richards and all these guys were the reason that I wanted to get into one of the reasons I wanted to get into radio. Um, I remember when I was a kid, we played all the contests, you know, we would call in on all the contests and try to win tickets. I won tickets to see the Beach Boys at the CNE one year on the radio. And that was a huge concert. And that was the Beach Boys. They were all there. Brian Wilson was there. And, you know, it was a real Beach Boys concert. It wasn't, uh, you know, Brian Wilson was in his prime when I went and saw them. And that was a young age. That was my first concert in my entire life. And I think I was 14 years old, 13 or 14 years old. Uh, it was a Beach Boys show at the CNE. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. But I've seen some strange acts. I've seen, uh, I saw Frank Sinatra in concert. Oh, that the must Orlando have been awesome. Stephen Eady opened for, um, opened for them. It was the Chevis Regal tour. And um, Frank drank, I don't know if it was real. I'm assuming it was, drank an entire bottle of Chevis Regal through the show had teleprompters it was like in the middle it was in a, in the round at the orlando arena it was in the round and um he had uh, teleprompters at each edge of the stage and in the middle of the stage with all of his lyrics on it so he wouldn't forget them um his son frank jr um did the orchestration with the orchestra in the pit next to the stage i remember john ritter and his wife were in the crowd at that show <laughs> That's awesome. Um, um, Kelly Preston and John Travolta were in the audience at the show. It was kind of cool. And I'm one of those guys when I go to a show, I check out the whole crowd and I usually can spot people who, who are in the crowd. I like to people do watch. that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, my first concert, I, I was pretty sheltered concert-wise growing up. But my first concert, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, it was an 89X show. Uh, just before I started there. So that would have been 2002. Uh, and then That's my first, like, yeah. Oh my God. I love stone STP. Like was it for me, man. And then the one where it was like, holy crap, like I'm doing radio is when my, I went my, to my first 89 X birthday bash and it was the killers 2005, I think. And Christina, 
who used to do the, uh, who still does the Time Warp, by the way, if if, if folks are a fan of uh, sort of that 80s alternative uh, synth music, uh, which I, I think is just phenomenal. Christina still does it. And uh, I, you know, grew up, you know, listening to Christina and I got to work with her at 89X, but I remember her uh, kind of showing me the ropes, you know, when I got over to uh, the Fillmore. And uh, they had the two, it was like one concert in the Fillmore and I think one in the state. And then there was the state theater and in the middle was the parking lot or the empty lot. And they had the killers on the outside. And I thought, I don't know, it's just, you fall in love with radio, right? And it's like, man, this is like, this is it. Like, this is a huge concert. You've got like three bands simultaneously going at the same time and people could go from venue to venue. And I think, I, I mean, I'm, I know you miss it, but I think generally most people will miss going to live shows. I mean, we talked about this last episode on the project with Adriano Chodley from Windsor Eats about, God, how much we miss even going to Caesars Windsor to see a show. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it sucks. But hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Well, you know, you, you talk about your beginning. I remember we were, we had a Christmas party when we were still um, run by the Waters family. We were Chum FM. Yeah. And there was a Christmas party in the basement at the Holiday Inn. Do you remember this? I think so. I think so. Holiday Inn on Huron Church? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And there was dancing at the end. And I was standing next to Keith Chinnery and Eric Prosh. And you were on the dance floor. And I went over and I said, see that kid right there? That one right there? And you were one of the, you were one of the promo team. Yeah. And they said, yeah. And I said, he, 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 watch him. You guys keep your eye on that one right there, that guy. <laughs> and I know you—you you don't know this. You don't know that I did that, but I did that, and I said, uh, I, "I there's something there." Yeah, it's probably a couple of whiskeys at that. Point. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I, I like to have a good time, dancing. and I like to dance. You know, so and and that's well. It, then I said, the, the, "The guy's got talent. That kid right there. Watch that uh, kid. Keep your eye on that kid." Ah. Uh, you're too kind, sir. You know, I, in my, I don't want to say old age because people are like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But in, I guess in the last three or four years, you know, ever since becoming a dad and, and, and taking a step back and, and really taking a look at things from a different lens. Uh, one thing that I, one of my biggest regrets is not being able to spend more time with people like you. And it's like, it's kind of admiring or respecting somebody from afar. And I don't know if that's like the Filipino Canadian in me, or if it was, I was a little bit anxious or, you know, a little bit of no, hero struck, you know, no, I, mean, I, like, think, I just, I think it's, they call it stalker. I think you, you, <laughs> you would. <laughs> yeah. I just like, like, mm, but, but I just, I, I feel like, you know, I, I just, I remember going in and talking to you and, and thinking like, oh man, like, and I remember the, the, the weekend I, 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 I signed off at Bell. And, uh, some of the folks took me out for a couple of drinks at the Manchester and, uh, it was summer 2017. And at that point I didn't know where I was going to end up, but, uh, Mark was there. Mark was one of the guys that was there early at the Manchester when I think it was him and I first there having drinks at the bar. And I think it was you, me, Sandra Larkin and, uh, <laughs> and Tanya It was, I think the four of us were like the last ones, uh, at, at the Manchester at the time. So I just remember that. And I just remember thinking, I mean, the guy's got a morning shift to do like the next day and you were still there. So. Oh yeah. I would, that sleep didn't get in the way. Like that was, you know, overrated. Sleep is way overrated. Um, <laughs> I would, 
party till late. And even if I had two or three hours of sleep, that's all I needed. No, but you're always so kind to me, Mark. And uh, I, it's it's like I said, you know, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, God puts you in per, in, in places where you need to be. And I and I think, again, um, somebody of your talent and somebody of your 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 expertise is 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 destined for a return to radio. Um, well, John, thank you. Casey, I, I, what's he saying? Oh, John says, uh, how is, uh, and this is a great question. This is something I wanted to ask you too. How is the forecasted sustainability of local radio in the Windsor, Detroit area from your point of view? Not syndicated content, but totally local. Well, it's going to go that way. It's going to go syndicated. Um, the morning show on the station that took over for 89X is now syndicated out of um, Nashville. Um and the midday person on both radio stations, I think now in Bell on both FMs are from a central location. Uh, the person does them on all the stations. It's the way it's going. It's, I think that big companies feel they have to do that in order to be financially, to, to sustain themselves financially. I think they feel they have to do that. And it is a good way to save money. Is it the right way to do radio? That's an argument for another time. Um, I have strong opinions on it, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. When I first got into radio, we had overnight disc jockeys and we had weekend disc jockeys and they're gone. There's no longer people on the weekends on FM radio. If you hear somebody on the weekend, it's either a really big station that makes a lot of money and can afford those people on the weekend or it's um, a really small radio station that uh, doesn't have the technology to voice track and is, and is putting people live on the air. And the stations in the middle, if you hear somebody in the evening and somebody overnight where you hear a voice where it sounds like the disc jockey's there, 99% uh, of the time they've already done that show. They're not there. They voice tracked it. And um, they're trying to pretend they were there or that they're there. And some people do a really good job of voice tracking. It's an art. Um, we were taught when I worked at Clear Channel, we were taught things like um, um, there's rain around when you would do the forecast. <laughs> so there's a 40% chance it's coming. Uh, you know, you, you, it's there's a good chance. That's it. And so, so you could say things like if you knew it was going to rain on the weekend and you didn't know if it was going to be raining when you voice tracked on Friday for your Sunday afternoon shift, you could say, well, there's rain around. So if it was raining where you were, it was correct. If it wasn't raining where you were, it was still correct. Um, it was very vague. <laughs> they, taught us how to be, they taught us how to be vague um, yeah. when it came to um, things like now. You can never give the time. If you listen to somebody and they don't give the time ever or they don't give the weather ever, chances are that they're not live um, or they don't make a mention of the weather or if uh, – they don't make a mention of uh, the Tigers lost last night or, you know, the Tigers are losing right now or the Red Wings are losing right now or the Blue Jays are down three to two right now. You know, they don't give a, a current update. Chances are that was recorded or voice tracked. But there are some people who do an excellent job of voice tracking. They pull it off and it is an art. You can do it. And because you can do it, corporations are letting you do it. Um, they're doing it and trying, you know, it's their way of saving money. And if we believe them, radio stations are losing money like crazy right now. I, I've got a story about voice tracking for you. Do you remember uh, the uh, the always excellent Vince Canova? 
right? Yes. When Vince, when Vince was running 89 X um, at the time and Vince said to me, uh, arms, I need you to uh, voice track. And, and this is long before I got on the air. Right. And I was like dying at that point. I was like, Oh my God, like, this is it. This is it. I actually wanted to prove to him that I could do a live show. Uh, Cause I was board hopping at the time at CKLW. I uh, wasn't doing the on air. I was doing the summer cruise reports like like you did uh, to, you know, to kind of get started. So I went in for two weekends and this was uh, the winter of this is January t- 2007. And I went in on 89X and I did 12 until eight in the morning, Saturday into Sunday. Uh, so it was like eight hours and I did the whole show live and I took calls I, I, I did requests. I moved, you know, like declassification songs, ones where we could kind of bump and I put a request in and I, I did everything except for contesting because I didn't have anything to give away. And I didn't hear anything from Vince. And I remember saying to Ganip and Heidi at the time, I'm like, oh man, I think I'm in trouble because like I didn't, I didn't remember anything from, from Vince and, oh, you know, and then later that week I was on the schedule, right? But in brackets, he put, don't go in live. <laughs> he put VT. Right. So I was like, okay, at least he knows I can do it. And and now right. it's like, I have to learn how to voice track. And, and then I learned through, you know, Ginep, I learned through Heidi, I, I learned through, you know, Jimmy James, when Jimmy James was there, at, you know, in a 93.9 and, and in yourself too, on how to sort of pull that off. And you're right, it is an art. You know, you talk about contesting too. Um, when I worked at K92 in Orlando, Florida, I worked with um, Cody McCoy. And Cody is now syndicated in, in I don't know how many markets and has his own country countdown show. But at the time, Cody was doing evenings at K92 FM in Orlando. And I was doing weekends part time. And Cody had this contest that he played every once in a while where it was guess how much money, how much change I have in my pocket. And he would take uh. the change out of his pocket and drop it on the counter and the microphone would pick up the coins hitting the counter and then the calls would start and they'd guess how much money he just dropped on the counter and whatever they guessed and mm-hmm. whoever guessed it right won the money, <laughs> won the coins. And that was his contest. Oh, that's a pretty cool. Speaking of, I have a million stories of contests too, some great contesting that we used to do that they don't do anymore. Um, one of my favorite one was when they brought back the Mustang. Remember the Mustang went away for a while and the Mustang yeah. came back. And yep. I want to say maybe 95, around that time, 94, somebody would know better than me. And we went to the local Ford dealership and they said, we want to have you guys give away the lease of a Ford for a year, a brand new Ford Mustang. Okay. And they were just coming out. And this was the way for them to highlight it. Can you guys come up with a contest? And it was my idea to go and get a classic Mustang and give away a new one and a classic one. So we got a 1967 classic Mustang. Uh, It was a powder blue color. And we went to one of those Florida auctions. And in Florida, you know, the cars don't get any rust on them. So at the time, we were able to get a pretty decent one. We took it to the body shop and got it all banged up and fixed up. And we got it painted a flat white color. And then we made a template, which was about that big on a square. And inside the template, you had to sign your name on the car somewhere. So we had this car filled with Sharpie signatures all over the place. And every time somebody signed a book, they had to write their name the same way they signed on the car in a 
in a binder <laughs> and they had to say whether they where they signed it and we had different categories we had the the roof of the car we had the the hood we had the trunk we had the right door the left door the right back fender the right front fender we had it all divided up the car and in this book was each category so you would say my signature is on the roof in the category and you would sign your name and you could only do it once and every time we went out to a remote we would take this car and do a remote and remind people that they could win um you know and the chance to win was by signing your name on this car when the contest came everyone that signed the car because you had to be present to win would show up showed up at the dealership bob Steele chevrolet and they put in a fishbowl all the parts and bob Steele reached in the fishbowl and pulled out a, a part from the car and it happened to be the roof <laughs> then he took his finger in ink put it in an ink pad with a blindfold on and touched a, a, a spot on the top of this car and whichever okay. name he came closest to that signature of that person so we went through the book found the signature the person's name next to it with their phone number their address won both the classic car and the lease of the mustang for a year but that was that's the best contest i ever had a part of that's a pretty cool contest that's a pretty cool contest yeah. and, and this is like obviously not during the age of social media right so they could i mean now if you're to do something like now you could I mean, the possibilities are endless with that. You could still do it in person, but you could probably live stream it or do whatever, right? Somebody would have to look it up. Whatever year the Mustangs came back, that was the year, maybe early 90s, yeah. 92, so, maybe 92, 93. Um, so hopefully, maybe somebody, if somebody knows, they can uh, tell us what it is, look it up, Google it. Um, but that was the year that we did that. And uh, honest to God, best contest I've ever, ever been a part of. It was fantastic. And the place was packed. And then you do the ones with the keys where the person tries the key in the vehicle. And if it starts the car, they yeah. win start two. We've done that where the first person sticks it in and it, and it starts. And, and everyone else with a, with a key that won't start the car is standing in line waiting to try their key. But the first person stuck their key in and it started up. <laughs> contest <laughs> contest is over. You know, I, I, I would have loved to have been part of like contests like that through the years. I mean, those sound like you know, incredible people, uh, engagement pieces, right. Where people get involved. I think, I mean, in mine working primarily at a news talk station for as long as I did, you know, one of my favorite contests to ever do was, and I, I know you remember this was Mr. Instant Teller. We used to do on AM 800 because I really tried to push from our, from our lens on the, on, on the noon show that we used to did. I really tried to push Mr. Instant Teller as a personality and, uh, try to bring in sort of that element of risk or, you know, the why somebody's playing, right? Trying to pull something out of like a Drew Carey, right? When somebody comes on to prices, right? You learn a little bit more about them and bring them on, have a conversation because the contest becomes the content. And, you know, you try to get that element of suspense in it. And anytime it was Mr. Instant Teller season on CKLW, it was it was always fun for me because it's something I look forward to. And they to. had the mascot too, right? The mascot. Yeah. Mr. Instant Teller. Did, they spent Did you ever work on that. No, were you ever inside? Just no, just that when I left promotions and got on air, that was just at the when they started doing that. I think it was Heidi who ended up getting that uh, going. But um, I know over the years, Mister Instant Teller was you know out at the different remotes we would do. But that was a pretty cool contest. I mean, a lot of folks like that too, right? Um, 
radio you know, stations we, used to have mascots too. Remember the old mascots? The first station I worked at, one of the, the first station I worked at on the air in Sarnia was CKJD, and we had a um, Marvin the Moose was the mascot. <laughs> so, and I and I had to wear it because I was junior member there. And I remember how bad it smelled. It smelled like everyone that wore it before me. It smelled like everybody that wore it before me. That sweat inside of that moose costume with that fur in the middle of summer. Uh, it smelled like them. And then when I worked at K92, we had in Orlando, we had, um, it was like a prospector. It was like a Yosemite Sam kind of prospector. He was the mascot, which was, I don't even remember what he was called. I remember the, the mascot though. But uh, no one has mascots anymore. Actually, here's here, I, I I will admit there's one I just missed just the summer before I came on board at CKLW. So this would have been 2001, 2002. Uh, they had Captain Canada, and it was like this rubber suit that was like a superhero. And again, the 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 rumors were, uh, you know, Scott and uh, and our engineering department, great guy. He said that like this suit was just god awful. You, you would step in it, and it would be like somebody died five times in it. I, I did wear, I did wear this 2005, uh, Will Raymond and I, when we were working on the A team, we were the gas bandits and we would have like the Cape and the mask and we'd go around filling people's gas tanks. Right. So they just wanted us to go say, Hey, guess what? You're the, you've been gashed, you know, you, here's your money. And so be it. Well, we would took it a step further, of course, and we would actually go and sort of like, surprise ninja fill up these people's pumps as they're turning away. So you turn around and there's a guy in like a robber's mask and a cape. <laughs> tank. And I wish like social, like that was about 2005 is when like MySpace was coming out. Right. So Facebook wasn't really even on the radar yet, but oh man, we had some really good reactions on that, but that's the kind of stuff though. Like, honestly, as hokey as it was, um, it was good experience when to get into the, the community. I think when you're just starting out in, in radio um, and you get to kind of learn, you know, what, you know, you kind of learn who the base is and who you're, who you're trying to target. But then I think it's also good too, from, um, uh, an engagement perspective standpoint too, because when you do those particular, you know, events, it kind of gives you an appreciation as you work your way up the ladder about, you know, all the different facets of the job. I know you talked about being on the summer cruiser team when you got started. I mean, I was doing the A team stuff, um, for a couple of summers because I felt like it was something I needed to do. And I think when you're in that position, you can have a better appreciation of, you know, everybody else who's doing the gig that you And you get you to did. know the city so well. I mean, I started in the city I grew up in and got to know the city so much better than I did growing up there. It just gave you a really, really great appreciation for the town you grew up in. I remember the first, my job doing the summer cruiser um, was a contest called Pull Up and Win. And we would drive around the city and pick, and this is way before cell phones. So we had two-way radios and I would go on the air from the vehicle and we had crazy stuff. Like sometimes it was like a coupon for a Big Mac from McDonald's. Sometimes it was a bag of groceries from IGA. You know, it was just like we would have, or sometimes it was like a cooler full of uh, pop. You got, I had six, 12 coolers. So I'd go to a, a certain corner. I'd be at the corner of Christina and, and, and Xmouth Street in a vacant lot. And I'd say the next 10 vehicles to pull up and win, get a free Big Mac or whatever the prize was for that week. And um, it was fun watching the accidents almost happen in the car lot. Nobody ever got in an accident. <laughs> 
But you would just get on and you'd say, here I am. I'm here now. The next 10 vehicles get a free Big Mac, pull up and win, you know. And the cars would just drive. You hear the cars squealing from far away and here they come. And, you know, they just all pull up and, you know, you'd have to be the judge and jury when it came to who was there. And, you you know, when you got to that 10th person, it's like, yeah, you. And, you know, you look at the other person and go, sorry, we're out, you know, maybe next time. So then a couple hours later, you'd find another corner and you'd be doing it all over again. And uh, did that through the whole summer. And that was a blast. And, you know, Sarnia being a be- nice beach town in Canatera Park and uh, did a lot of stuff with that driving around and trying to get people to, you know, it was the, the dream job. You know, I was a kid, single young man. You know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and those were fun times. Um, you know, that's the part of radio that that was, you know, that made me love it so much, you know, between the concerts and just being on the air. I just loved being on the air to be able to talk and, 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 you know, a little look behind the scenes when you talk over the intro and maybe the intro is eight seconds and you can give the weather and tell who, tell who you are and tell who the artist is and tell who the song is. And you can get that in, in eight seconds and finish it and sound like you want it to finish it in eight seconds. And then the vocals start and then they, um, they call that hitting the post. I would take my headphones off even probably the last day that I was still worked there, November 18th. And I would take my headphones off and go, yes, you know, I hit the post and, and you're celebrating in a room by yourself. Uh, you know, and does it matter? Eh, probably not. But to me it did. And it was part of the things that made the, the job fun. Um, you know, and just, it was so much fun to be on the radio. It just, I just miss it so much. <laughs> but Mark, your 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 talents are are not they don't go unnoticed because I know at the beginning of the show you were talking about the the amazing Giles family and 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 what they do in the community and you are now doing some pretty cool stuff for mm-hmm. them, some cool multimedia stuff for for the team, right? Yeah, thank God for podcasting. Podcasting is now um, you know, getting a huge audience and there's so many things out there that podcasters do be it beer, be it cigars, um, sports, sports is a big, um, right now podcasting and sports is huge. Uh, it just doesn't, the, the, the topics run the gamut and we have a plumbing podcast and, uh, RFG plumbing and RFG electrical, um, Frank Giles, God bless him. Just the salt of the earth, a great guy, him and his sons, and his wife, Annette, are currently right now running a plumbing and electrical business, RFG Plumbing, RFG Electrical. And um, Frank called me up um, in, well, the conversation started in about December. And finally, in January, we decided to get together. And uh, I've been working with them, helping promote the websites, um, doing whatever it takes, um, trying to get them on the map when it comes to uh, um, if anybody needs plumbing. And these guys are fantastic too. If they hear about a cutting edge tool, something that will clean your pipes better than anything else, they will explore it. And if they feel the need to, they'll buy it. And there have been times when other plumbing companies have gone in and raised their hands and said that I'm out, I can't fix this. And we've gone in and with the, the tools that they have, it's a no brainer, we get it. And if anybody needs a plumber, electrician, you know, these are the guys to call. They're all young men. 
a band of brothers. They uh, are so much fun to be around. It, it could be its own show. If we followed them around with a camera, 100%, these guys are, the personalities are there. And one of the things that I've instilled into them, and I think it's very important, is that they educate the customer of what they're doing. I think too For many sure. plumbing companies, too many trades will go in and know what they got to do. And, you know, it's some crotchety old guy and he's been doing it his whole life. And, yeah. and, and he knows his trait very well, does it very well, knows how to go in and fix it and does it and packs up his bag and gets in his truck and drives away and you get the bill. Or, you know, he's got his hand out before he leaves. And these guys are not like that. They want to tell you what they're doing. They want to explain what they're doing and what you're spending your money on. And I think it's very important that that's being done. They're extremely knowledgeable and uh, they'll teach you. And they'll even come in and say, you know what? You can do this. This is something you can do. You do a little research and you can get this done. They're not going to take your money because you called them out there. Now, they may charge you for a visit. Because, you know, it costs the company money. These guys make, you know, money to come out. But they're not going to charge you for work that they don't think is necessary. They're going to tell you, you know, or they're going to do, you know, you're going to think, oh, my gosh, my basement's flooded. And it might be a little pinhole somewhere that they can fix in, you know, a very short period of time. And they're not going to take advantage of people. They don't do that. They're very honest. Uh, it's just... I feel good about working for them. I really do. I really like what they're doing. And um, it's something that I've been able to get behind. And, and I really have. And uh, like I said, if anybody needs a plumber or an electrician, it's rftplumbing.com, rftelectrical.com. Um, check out their websites and you can, uh, you know, you can call them. Their phone number is 519. I'll give out their phone number, 519-817-7117. And uh, give them a call, book an appointment and they will, uh, if you need a backwater valve, I know that the city's still giving out money. Um, talking about community, the city of Windsor, when we had that big hundred-year flood, um, oh God, and the city flooded, uh, the city made it available to you can get some of your money taken off of your bill. The city is uh, is filling in the holes and helping people pay for back black, backwater valves. Mm -hmm. And some pumps in your basement, and and I'm telling, I'm going to tell, say this right now, if you know your neighbor got a backwater valve and a sump pump put in, where do you think that water's going next time we get one of those rains? It's not going in their basement, and if you don't have one, you need to get one. So uh, we, we talk to people all the time, and they're like, ah, I probably don't need one. I didn't really get flooded last time. Well, last time you didn't because your your neighbor did, and your neighbor got a backwater valve because they got flooded. And this time the water's coming to your house. It, it, it will. Uh, so you got to, you know, you got to get one. And these guys are the best at putting in backwater valves. They're the best at a lot of the things they do. And, and that's why they brought you on board too. They wanted the best at, in, in broadcasting. And, and, and when you have that podcast that you do that drops, and like I said, I know you've had some awesome guests on the podcast too. Um, how often does the podcast drop that you do? Oh, we do it once a week. We try to put it out on a Wednesday. And uh, Wednesday's our day, and that's my deadline. Um, a couple of times it's come out on Thursday due to cancellation of guests, and that just happens sometimes. You know, somebody gets in the way. You got a guest that can't make it. Um, but uh, Wednesday is the day we go for. Sometime during Wednesday it'll come out. And uh, so far, I think 16 countries we've gotten um, tuning in. 
it's fun to watch the stats. It's amazing to watch the stats. We've got, uh, we've been in every province and uh, almost all the states. There's still a couple of states that haven't listened, tuned in. And uh, it's once a week. It's very short, especially if you're in the trades, especially if you need something to do with plumbing. Uh, it's go back and listen to some of the older ones. We had the chairman of the chairman of the World Plumbing Foundation or something like that out of New York uh, on World Plumbing Day. He was on. It was That's nice awesome. to have him on. And they talk about how important the trades are to the young people too. A lot of people that I have have on that are in the trades uh, talk about how you know maybe you're better with your hands and university isn't the, the, the you know the way to go. Both sure. men and women. Young, young men and young women coming out of high school. Um, and there's so many, like, m there's so many, uh, there's so much money out there for these kids that want to get into the trades that you can essentially, if you get to the right, you can get all kinds of grants where you can come out debt free, where you're not, all of a sudden you're in the trades, you've got your plumbing ticket and you're not in debt you don't pay any university or school debt because now you've got your own business started, or maybe you latch onto a company like RFG plumbing and, and uh, um, you know, all of a sudden you're a plumber and making decent wages. And when I talk to these people, they're very much into that, that, uh, you know, get a couple of years that are paid for, or you go work for a company and the company says, I need a plumber. And they're in such high demand right now that you'll sign a contract. And if you hang on with me until you, you know, go through your schooling, um, you've got a ju guaranteed job and I'll pay for your schooling. That happens a lot of the times too. That's so awesome kids in the trade right now, it's in high demand. You hear the commercials and it's true. We'll run an ad for a plumber or an electrician and you don't get much. You know, the applications just aren't there. And this is a good company to come work for. And, you know, when and then when we do get somebody, it's very important that they stay with us. And and such because it's a family run company, it's um, a lot of fun to work for. Uh, the demands aren't there like they would be for working for a major company. And uh, and they have a lot of fun, too. I think, you know, the fun part of it, uh, the band of brothers that are there that all work together. These guys are just it's a reality show in the making. I'm telling you. Well, I, dude, I just want to say uh, it is so great to connect with you at this level. Uh, it's been far too long. Um, I just want you to keep doing what you're doing and uh, check in. You call, text, have you back on the gig show. Maybe we'll do like a, a round table with Ganip, get Ganip on here and just let it all hang out uh, one day. What do you say? That would be a lot of fun. And I'm not done yet. If, so, you know, if somebody knows of anything, I'm, I loved it so much and it was in my heart. And if, you know, I've still got a lot of good radio left in me. And if, uh, you know, I, I want to do it again. I really do. I, 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 I hope I'm not done. I hope I haven't had my last day on the air. And uh, it was interesting because my, um, I have um, my last air check that I have on the cloud right now is actually my last day. And it's kind of cool because I didn't have any idea that in two hours it was all going to be over. <laughs> so, so my current air check that we use to, you know, send out and get jobs, literally, you know, they say you're only as good as your last show is literally my last show. God, so. God bless you, man. 
it's been a it's been a ride, and I wish you nothing but the best. And I am a firm believer that God puts us where we need to be, brother. So hang Thanks, in there man. and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. And I mean it, dude. Like when I talk to people about my time at Bell, I say, I say this to Ganip the other day when I was talking to him on Facebook Messenger. I'm like, you know, I, I look to you guys as like the gold standard when I was doing the disc jockey stuff. So I, I've said it before. I think if you were PD when we were there, things would have been a little bit different. But yeah, we had a special thing going. It was a lot of fun, and and I, um, I think if I wasn't on the air as a disc jockey in my life, I probably would have been a teacher. I probably would have gone that way and and, and taught in some, you know, some way, somewhere, somehow. Um, enjoy teaching. Enjoy mentoring. Uh, enjoy what I do, and. Um, I love people, you know, it's, it's all about liking people in this business, I think. And if you don't like people and you're on the radio, but you do hear about the grouchy guys on the radio and, and oh, yeah. uh, um, yep. you know, you, you wonder why they're in it, what they're doing. These grouchy guys just, you know, don't like people don't like to answer the phone and don't like to talk to people. And that wasn't me at all. I was always, I always thought of myself as a people person and enjoyed being on the air, enjoyed being on the radio. And uh, like I said, I miss it like hell. Well, thank you for making some time for me, my friend. And uh, we'll check back with you in the, the next little bit too and have you back on with some of the other boys. What do you say? Thanks for having me on, Arms. We got to get together and have a beer or something to get together. Dude, tell me whatever you want because like I'm on dad mode. So like as soon as Liam, my son, goes to bed, uh, you know, uh, I'd be happy to do it. You know, we, uh, you and I were talking when I was on your show. I was saying how busy we're at the Humane Society and I'm – you know, very happy to, to have landed there. And, uh, well, you know, after we have our big, uh, virtual gala next Thursday, and then after that, maybe I'll get you out, come and do some golfing with us. Uh, when we have our humane society golf tournament, it'd be a lot of fun. I too. would love it. Love it. Mark, God bless you, man. Okay. Take care. And I'll be in touch. Okay, bud. Thanks arms to say hi to Liam for me and your wife. Oh, God bless you. Mark Lander, uh, radio personality. Uh, he's also just an amazing dude. Honestly, just a wealth of information and, and, and true story about Mark, uh, just before we wrap up the show, I really mean it. Um, just one of the guys that at the station when we were there, you would always know that you could count on him in a moment's notice to help out in any way, shape or form. Really set the standard for a lot of folks at Bell Media during the early 2000s uh, and 2010s when I was there. And as John Casey says here on the feed too, uh, absolute legend. And he is, really is. So I want him to know and all of our folks knowing watching the live stream that uh, we will check in with uh, Mark from time to time here on the show. Just a great guy. Thanks for watching the Arms Boom and Leg Project. Uh, don't forget this Friday, we are back yet again. Chris Tolney, uh, he's another brother from another mother. Great guy, local guy, uh, former 89X morning show host is going to join me on the show. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And that'll be right after eight o'clock here on the Arms Boom and Leg Project on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Have a great night, and we'll see you back Friday evening. Thanks for watching. Hey, 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 hey.